Welcome to Ten Bestest, where we sift through the noise so you don't have to. Each week, we share our ten favorite things of the moment. Anything goes. Thank you, everybody. My name is Brian Hart, and today we have a very special guest. I have Grant here with me. Grant, hello, welcome. Hello, Brian. Thank you.、Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, really? Okay,、quickly? I will. It is a, a delight and an honor to be here. This is exciting. I went to、uh, grade school and middle school in Salem Kaiser area back in the eighties, which was a pretty cool time in general. My my wife and I have twin. Teenage daughters, and both of them are pretty into Stranger Things, that Netflix series. Both of my daughters have separately at times mentioned, "Man, being a teenager in the '80s must have been so cool." And I hadn't thought about it in decades, but I thought, "Oh my gosh, yeah, it it kind of was pretty cool." I left the area for high school and college, and then I moved back to Salem in 1994, and I've been here ever since. My wife and I have been married for 24 years. And have lived in West Salem since '98. We have those those twin girls who go to West, and I'm a realtor with Blum Real Estate. Things I'm most proud of are probably winning a 24-year secret battle with severe depression, parenting intentionally, and my ability to work 70 hours in a week and still be positive and encouraging. Wow, <laughs> that's a lot. Seventy hours too. Holy moly! <laughs> it doesn't happen very often, but but it does happen.、Sometimes. It does happen.、Yeah. Yes.、Uh, well, that's really cool. Yeah, this is this is going to be kind of a special episode. We've never really done a full theme, but we are going to kind of do a theme on depression and other forms of that, other other branches of that. I, I don't know what the best word is. So I'm really glad that you're here because. We're going to have a perspective of someone, you, who's、mm-hmm. dealt with depression,、mm-hmm. and then someone like me who has been very lucky and fortunate to not really have suffered from any kind of mental health issues that I know of.、Um, <laughs> no depression, though.、Uh, I've just had a really charmed life, but it is very important to me. It's I know people that have suffered from、yeah. it, and of course, family members. I think everybody knows someone that's yeah, suffered yeah. from mental health in some way, and so it's definitely something, especially in the last five to ten years, that's really been、mm-hmm. on my mind a lot.、Mm. And I've read some books and lots of articles and movies and things like that. Anything I can do to essentially just understand more and and try to be there for my friends as much as I can. And for also to just make sure that I'm healthy as much as possible、yeah. because it's it can happen any time I would imagine and just keeping yourself mentally healthy is a, is a really good thing so I'm really excited to to have this episode with you、uh, yeah, and I'm looking、you. forward to I'm it as well. Yeah, well, we're and we're gonna do another thing that usually when a guest comes on, I usually go first or Karen goes first, but we're gonna give you the ball first and,、right. and let you go. So、uh, yeah, let's let's hear your first one. Okay, my first cool sheet is not being depressed, and I think that would be great for for anyone. There are millions of people that wish for that, but it is especially significant for me because for twenty four years. From 1996 to 2018, from age 24 to 48, I had a secret struggle with brutal, 
relentless, life-threatening depression. On the outside, I looked happy, funny, well-liked, successful. But on the inside, I was as lost and hopeless and miserable as a person can be. Not even my wife knew the extent of it, and she drove me to the ER a time or two. It is impossible to describe how difficult life was without giving some details, and I'm not ready to talk about the details publicly yet. The details are kind of dramatic, but they're not what's important. For those 24 years, I lived closer to death than I did to life. And during those decades, one of the truest things in the universe to me was that one day my depression would take my life. I was certain I would not be able to fight it forever. Indeed, I lost the fight several times a month. My private and inner life were pretty grim. But in November of 2018, the depression left suddenly and surprisingly and completely, which I am certain is pretty rare. I was not expecting it, and I did not believe it for a long time. After a month of no depression, after suffering for 24 years, I messaged my brother and sister and and said, I know you know a little bit about this, but here's a little more of my story. And I have had no depression for one month, and I don't know what's going on. After three or four more months, I told a couple more dear friends. And after a year and four months, I shared a little bit of my story publicly on Facebook. But I have had zero depression for one year and 11 months. Wow. Well, first of all, thank you so much for sharing your first school sheet, but just your story. Yeah, absolutely, Um, Brian. We've kind of just now formally, I guess, met in person here, but I've I've known you through online, the means that, that we live in right now. And I remember that moment it popped up on my Facebook when yeah. you shared that and I certainly was one of those people that had since I didn't know you very well anyway I did I had no idea yeah um so I was like wow this is you never know there's probably yeah. so many people right oh, now gosh. struggling yeah that could be close friends that you yep. have no idea yeah about and and I do try to always think about that Especially now in in this pandemic, that the time of recording, we're still in the pandemic, and and tensions high already. Mm-hmm. And sometimes yeah. you have a little bit less patience and and understanding of your friends and and just in friends in general. Though little like things happen and things yeah. get on your nerves or yeah. or whatever, you know. And and you have to remember, you don't know where people are, where they're oh, at gosh. in their yeah. life or where yeah. they're coming from. You know, usually these are your own things in your head that you're you're angry about or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the times. But it's a really good reminder to keep that perspective. Yeah. Of the thing. People That's are true. going through a lot of a lot of things you yeah. know, that you probably have no idea about. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm and, sure that's true. And I'm so happy to hear that you haven't had that yeah. in a long time. Yeah. It's, it's really amazing. And, amazing. Uh, and I hope that that gives people that are going through it hope mm-hmm. that there is, it is possible to get, get out of it yeah. or, or that it can get better. Yeah. So that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm going to kind of talk about from, from the other side as best as I can uh, to deal with some of these 
And my first cool sheet is going to be a video. And I can't remember the, it was a few years ago when I saw this video, but it's Brene Brown, who I think a lot of people know, she's been a former cool sheet. And it's a video on empathy. And it's a very short video. And it's an animated video of probably one of her talks, just a very short part on empathy. The link will be on our show notes. And she talks about what is empathy and why it's different from sympathy, because I think a lot of people get that confused. Empathy fuels connection, or sympathy drives disconnection. I really like how she very simply states the difference of the two. She talks about the four qualities of empathy, perspective taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person and recognize their perspective as their truth and staying out of judgment and recognizing emotion in other people and communicating that. Uh, this, this video, like I said, is so short and so powerful. She talks about empathy as a sacred space that someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And you look and we say, hey, I'm, I'm down here with you. I know what it's like down here and you're not alone. Uh, where someone with sympathy might go, oh, that's that's bad, huh? And hey, do you want a sandwich? Maybe they're trying to distract. They're trying to just change the subject because they feel uncomfortable. She talks about empathy as a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice. She's kind of the vulnerability expert. Because in order to connect, you have to connect in something that's within yourself to to kind of connect with that feeling that the other person is having. And that is a can be a, a hard thing to do for somebody. And she talks about how rarely, if ever, does empathetic response begin with at least – you know, so if someone shares something, you say, well, at least it's not this. You know, they try it's, – it's somewhere usually is a good place, but they're putting a silver lining on it, and it's just not the right thing to do. I highly recommend this video. It's uh, Brene Brown on empathy. Ooh, you are an expert. That okay. was – I've been practicing. That was really yeah. good. <laughs> Maybe right. the, the best we've ever had okay. for a first time on All a right. guest. Yeah. Nice job. All right. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Brene Brown. Yeah, she's just amazing. Yeah, she is something. <laughs> Not only is she uh, the real deal in terms of scholarly research, yeah. but just as a, a human and, and her heart. Yeah. She seems to genuinely care yeah. about people, and that seems to be what's motivating her you know, for the research that she does. I remember you know, encountering her first TED Talk, which just exploded. It yeah. became one of the talks, one of the videos that that helped put Ted on the map. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh that was a significant thing for me watching her little her video on on vulnerability. Yeah, I and, think that was the first time I noticed her and too. And I, I think you're the organizer for TEDx Salem. Right. Yeah. yeah the yeah. local yeah, one version of, the, of that. One of the organizers. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, and in fact that was one of the TED Talks not the one, but one of the ones that, that where Carly and I decided we wanted to, oh, to start it. Yeah. Uh, it was Candy, Candy Chang's and, and Brene was definitely wow. a huge influence where, and, and she might've put Ted on my radar. That was okay. what kind of was like, what is this Ted thing? Yeah. And then I saw Candy's, which is totally different. And it's about an, a community art project. And, uh, but that's, but the, between those two, I think Brene kind of got it on my radar and then Candy solidified the decision Mm. but yeah she's so good at 
taking these big concepts, these big ideas, these big emotions, and just distilling it down, though, oh, into yeah. such a really yeah. powerful moment. Yeah, um, and, and making them relatable or applicable. Yeah. When you can do something with what she's talking about, it's not just purely heady, academic, isn't that interesting yeah. stuff. It's pretty real. Yeah, it's really real, real emotional. Yeah. She shares, I might to say this, she shares a really good way, because I think people, the silver lining, she talks about how mm-hmm. people do that, and they're probably, it's from a good place, but she does share one thing that to say to people, and she's like, I don't even know what to say right now. Mm. I'm just so glad you told me. And oh, that's wow. enough, you know? Yeah. You don't have to always offer someone the yeah. perfect words or, oh, yeah. And especially another thing that a lot of people do, I think, is, oh, yeah, that happened to me, too. And then they start telling their story. Sure, sure. You know, and that's yeah. not what you need to give your friend at yeah. that moment. You just need to say, I'm so glad you shared that yeah. with me. And, and I'm here for you. I'm listening. You know, and you're not alone. That, I think, is really mm-hmm. powerful, too. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah, the video is so great, and it's it's like a it's a bear and a fox and a, yeah. this really cool little animation. Oh, I too. think I've seen it. Uh, you I'm you sure might I've have, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's almost like you don't you forget that Brene is actually the one speaking. Okay, you know, but yeah. yeah, it's a really cool. I think I have seen it. Yeah. Yeah, it's worth checking out. Again, we'll have all of these links and uh, show notes on our website, and it's tempestus.com slash mental health will be the shortcut to this episode specifically, and it's 10bestus.com slash mental health. All right, you want to go for your next one? Okay, I'm ready. Okay. My second cool sheet is has two parts to it. Uh, one of them is just being able to talk about mental health at all, and two, being able to tell my story and help people. The stigma around mental health has been greatly lifted, as you kind of alluded to in the intro, especially in the past 10 to 15 years. Humankind, I think we are really indebted to the courageous, vulnerable people who told their stories and the ones who expanded our understanding of mental health You know, these past several decades. It has been really hard for me to talk about my story for a number of reasons. One was I was really ashamed of my depression. I was ashamed that I even had it, and even more ashamed of how I survived of that grim private life that I mentioned. I have uh, no doubt that because I was so familiar with suffering and such depth of suffering that I was more aware of other people's pain. Uh, And I think two things were at work there. One is that throughout life, I have been highly tuned to other people's pain. I I think of that idea that our eyes seek out what is in our heart. And two, I knew what it was like to suffer, and I didn't want anyone else to experience that. So I have encouraged people to contact me, and I have uh, treated people with compassion, which has prompted them to contact me. So from the first moments I begin to share bits of my story, people have messaged me or come to me privately to say, that's my story too. Or I've heard this uh, over and over and over again, my child is going through that and it breaks my heart and I don't know what to do. Around 25 or 30 people have contacted me privately in the past year and I have simply asked them about their stories and shared parts of my story. And in continued conversations with those people, it is clear from the, that the conversations 
they and I had have helped. There is so much to this story and to this topic. Suffice to say, kind of what you mentioned earlier, Brian, that a lot of people suffer in secret, and I am grateful I can help some of them. Yes, uh, thank you for for helping them too. That is, yeah, I'm just glad we're having this conversation. So it wasn't that long ago where people didn't want to talk about this at all. No, and, yeah, and it's true. And you for, know firsthand, you were you didn't want to talk about it. You were for embarrassed. You were four years almost. Yeah, there's yeah. such a stigma. Thank goodness it's starting to lift now. People are starting to talk about it because it's been around forever. Yeah. Been, yeah, yeah. So thank thank goodness now that 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 is starting to change because that's when we can really get to work on helping people. Mm, and, yeah, you know, first you have to lift that stigma, know that it's the, something that happens all of the time to people. So yeah, that's so great, so mm-hmm. really good. Okay, well, my next cool sheet is going to be about a human. This human is a uh, Haley Hardcastle, and she also. She's a pretty amazing young lady. In 2019, Haley Hardcastle and a a few other students passed, helped pass uh, House Bill 2191 here in Oregon, which allows students to take a mental health day off from school. So it's kind of the same way you would take a sick day. And now she's working on expanding that law to other states. And she's, uh, I think she's already helped Colorado and, and possibly a few more. Every time I talk to her, it's a few more. And we actually, we did have her, I had her apply to TEDx-Salem. And she spoke this year in January 2020 when we could still gather. And she gave a, a talk on mental health and especially how it affects younger people now. And uh, she talks about how school can be ripe with stress, anxiety, panic attacks, and even burnout. And But there's no real formal policy for students who need to prioritize their well-being. And so she talks about how it's important. And she gave this talk. It's a, it's a really great talk. And, and I don't usually talk about my own TED, <laughs> TEDx talks uh, because it's, it just seems weird to me. But this one actually was selected by TED and it became a, an official TED talk. They, they contacted us uh, right afterwards, uh, maybe a month afterwards. And we went through a bunch of process. They interviewed her. She became, so it, it's become an official TED talk. It's on their official front. It was on the front page. It has over two to 3 million views now. Uh, so it's a really cool talk. And she's an amazing person. She was in Teen Vogue as one of the young up and comers. She's done so many amazing things. Definitely worth checking out Haley Hardcastle. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. What a neat idea to just make a little mental health connection, help lift the stigma of it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's for a young person. She started, I think, when she was 17. Uh, You know, she's 19, 20 now, still very young. but, But it's really cool to see these young kids, you know, I think they worked with Providence or somebody else to okay. kind of help them with this. Yeah. But it was a, a lot of the times it was these young kids. And that's really cool. That's really promising. That's when, and you being a, a former teacher probably, yeah. you know, really love seeing, you know, these young yeah. kids doing something about yeah. things Yeah, too. it is really inspiring. Yeah. And hopefully inspire other young people yeah. to take action on an idea that they had that they weren't sure they could do anything with or should do anything with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Very cool. That is cool. Okay. My third cool sheet is our current understanding of trauma. What has been coming out of trauma research is significant and powerful and surprising. All the leading researchers that I'm aware of are arriving at the same conclusion. And the big revelation about trauma is this, that addiction, ADHD, anxiety, chronic illness, chronic pain, depression, and a host of other issues, all these things are simply symptoms of trauma, and that is all they are. Think about how many people we know that have one or more of those things going on in their life. Trauma is absolutely kicking humanity's butt. It gets even crazier and more exciting. Trauma is loss of connection with your authentic self. Trauma is not a terrible event. Two people can experience the same difficult event and one will develop anxiety and addiction and the other won't. It's not the event that is the trauma or, the, or causes the trauma. A terrible event or difficult prolonged circumstances cause addiction, anxiety, depression, chronic illness, chronic pain, etc. Only when the person's response causes that person to lose connection with their authentic self. I think examples really help with understanding this, and I have time for one here. Picture a little girl born into a home where there's a lot of anger, a lot of raised voices. It is not a safe place. Her siblings might respond differently to it than she does, but her subconscious instinctive response is to become the good girl, an obedient, quiet people pleaser. That is how she fights to keep connection with her parents. It is important to note here something that came up earlier when you were talking, Brian, and that is that connection is far and away the greatest human need. So back to this little girl, for the rest of her life, that little girl continues the only role she ever knew, the good, quiet people pleaser, when it was never who she really was. Almost from birth, she lost connection with her authentic self. She will guaranteed experience addiction, anxiety, depression, or one of those other symptoms of trauma. This is exciting because it seems to me that this knowledge will continue to spread until it becomes commonplace. And when we understand the real reason why people are struggling and suffering, we can help. Wow, that's really, really cool. I really liked that part you shared too, that the same experience can affect two different people in a totally different way. And I think that that is where a lot of that disconnect happens, you know, where people are like, well, that didn't bother me or that wouldn't bother me. Uh Just then of course there's the people that are, you know, ah, just suck it up or, you know, whatever it is like, that's a total lack of empathetic response. But yeah, knowing that that difference, you know, knowing that there is a difference just because you've gone through something and handled it just fine. That doesn't mean that that exact same thing, someone else might, it might really destroy them and vice versa. Then there might be something else that happens to you down the road. Yeah. That was nothing for somebody else. Maybe that person, that same person, you know, and they're like, oh, well that doesn't bother me at all, but now you're a wreck and I'm here for you. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You know, so Uh that's a really powerful thing that, that, yeah, we, we need to remember everything affects people differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
That's really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, okay, my my next cool sheet is going to be a podcast, and this podcast is called Grief Casts, and it's a British podcast by Carrie Ed Lloyd, and she has different guests on her uh, on her podcast, and they talk about their experiences with grief. Together, they share share their views on pain, loss, and the weirdness that happens when someone dies. So I think her father died, and this is what kind of started that. She was really crushed. She was having a really hard time coping with life after this death, and she decided to start this podcast to, again, it's kind of that connection. It's telling people that they're not alone and talking about her grief once she could. She couldn't for a really long time, but once she could, she started having these people on. They talked about it and it not only helped her and the person on their show, but and like you've kind of shared right now is once you talk about your experience, it helps so many other people. There's so many other people that are dealing with these same kinds of things. And, and this is something that, uh, that did hit me a couple years ago. One of my best friends passed away very suddenly. And, and that was the first time that I, it really hit me. Uh, you know, you lose family members and that is horrible, but that so far that is always kind of, you've known it's going to happen or you kind of prepare. It still is horrible, but this one was the first time where it really shocked me. It took me by surprise. It really hit me really hard. And all of our friends, I saw her, you know, two days before she, she went and we were talking about getting her out of the hospital. She was going through tests. She was going to be maybe fine or we were going to get through it together. And then she was gone just like that. And that really hit me. And this podcast, I'm actually in a place right now where I still can't listen to it all the time. I have, and it's such a great podcast, but I wanted to talk about it because I think it will help a lot of other people. Uh, so definitely check out the podcast, Grief Casts. That's a fantastic point and tie-in, that idea about... And just being aware of grief, yeah, uh, in in yourself and mm-hmm. in others, mm-hmm. uh, allowing grief, yeah, you know that idea. Yeah, I think so many people, and I've certainly done this. They they try to just either through distraction or not talking about it, just avoidance, you know, kind yeah. of pushing it to the side, yeah, and putting it away somewhere. And sometimes you have to do that for a while. You yeah, know, maybe you're not ready to talk about it, but eventually, I think you need to process these feelings that you're yeah. of grief especially when oh, you gosh. lose a loved one you yeah. know it's a different kind of trauma but it is certainly a trauma yeah. for sure yeah. it's one of the ones for sure yeah and it seems to me that trying to suck it up or trying to ignore it or we don't talk about that i can't imagine that would ever have long-term positive effects yeah. It just seems like... Yeah, maybe the short term, maybe, maybe, you know, you'll feel a little bit better. Yeah. If you distract yourself for a little while, but eventually, yeah, and and, and usually it, it builds up and then yeah. it becomes almost worse, yeah. you know. Uh, and she is so good at, of course, she has a lovely British accent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but helps. she's so good at listening to people and knowing mm. when to maybe ask them a follow-up, maybe push a little harder, but she really knows when to back off too. Okay. You know, she can really gauge when someone wants to talk more and maybe when they're not ready. Fantastic. She's so good at that. Mm. And even joke around, you know, she does yes. joke. She's actually, she. I think even in the beginning, she kind of had 
uh, comedians or people that were, because everybody deals with loss. um, But she didn't want this podcast to be all talking about grief and just really dark. I mean, because, but just, yeah, to lighten it up a little bit and be okay with, you know, sometimes joking or the funnier parts because, yeah, you want to, you want to get past that sadness too. Eventually when you lose someone, you want to honor that sadness and, and and work through it, but also get past it. And then that will help you remember the good times. Remember, you know, the, the, the things that you loved about that person and, and, and kind of make it a healthier thing. So I really like, that's not an easy thing to do though, to, to make that serious subject and still have light moments. Sure. Yeah. So she does a really good job with that. Oh, and she did win a couple. Of, she's won some awards, quite three gold prizes, the British Podcast Awards in oh, 2018. Wow. So she's obviously very good at this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. My fourth cool sheet is specific trauma researchers or authors who had an effect on me. And the first one I have to mention is Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. He wrote the book "The Body Keeps the Score." which is the culmination of his 40-plus years on the front lines of trauma research. He has been tirelessly researching trauma since before it was even a thing, really. And two people separately recommended this book to me within a couple weeks of each other. So while I was still in the grip of depression, I bought the book and started reading it. And I saw myself on almost every page It was a weird, powerful experience. The message, you are not alone, is absolutely life-giving. Dr. Gaber Mate uh, is another doctor that had a huge impact on me. He's from Canada, and I watched every video of his I could find, dozens and dozens of videos of him talking about trauma and addiction and the connection there. Author Johan Hari, he's done a couple TED Talks, and there's one of his that I've watched probably three times. Dr. Nadine Burke-Harris, she's the former California Surgeon General and author of The Deepest Well, Healing the Long-Term Effects of Childhood Adversity. She has a fantastic TED Talk. Dr. Robert Sapolsky is this professor who's just a legend Uh, He's a professor of biology, neurology, neurological sciences, and neurosurgery at Stanford. And I came across his name because I saw all these people that that I admire mentioning him and mentioning how much they respect and appreciate him. And in looking up more about him, I came across a couple of lectures that he gave on depression. Dr. Peter A. Levine has been researching trauma for over 40 years. Dr. Vincent Felitti is one of the creators of the ACE, the Adverse Childhood Experience Study. I also want to mention years and years ago, before his first book even, Tim Ferriss told a little bit about his own story of depression. And over the decades that I was depressed, stories like that were like medicine to me. When I would read about someone I admired who struggled with depression, it would get me through a day or two businessman and and coach Jerry Colonna comes to mind. Also, suicides that made the news were were comforting to me when I was in depression. And the reason is, I think when you are lost and hopeless, stories of hopelessness let you know that you're not alone in the darkness. 
and David Foster Wallace comes to mind. Again, that message, you are not alone, is life-giving and life-saving. Wow, yeah, wow. Yeah, and then Tim Ferriss, he ended up doing a TED Talk talking a lot more about his depression, yeah. you know, that the, the most recent one that he had. And, and for what I remember, right, is he, he switched it up. He was going to talk about something, I think, totally different. And then he, last minute, and this is pretty rare for, for TED Talks, he, he changed it and he goes, you know what, oh, I really yeah. want to talk about this because I think he had a, a moment in his life where it was a close call, Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. and then he wanted to talk about that and uh, yeah yeah and there's have did you mention or have you ever heard the ted talk from andrew solomon i think is his name oh solomon it's another one you might if you haven't seen it yet it's yeah. depression's the secret we secret we share yeah it's another good one if yes. you haven't um he's really good i'm well, sure i've watched it because you probably have but i can't remember the yeah. details of it it yeah, must have absolutely. been a while probably back when i was still yeah, it is an older talk. In fact, um, I when I went to Big Ted, um, he was giving a second one. It's I think mm. it's about something totally different. And I just remember thinking, wow, this guy's a really good yeah. speaker, even for Ted, which, of course, they all yeah. are. But I was like, wow. And then I looked up, and I'm like, oh, he's yeah. done another one. And I think he wrote a book as well. So Yeah, he my, wrote a book called Far From the Tree. Yeah, that sounds— Huge, thick book. Is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, my sister uh, recommended it to me. So oh, I have cool. it, I, but I haven't read it yet. Oh, there you go. Okay. Well, very cool. What's his name? Garber? Gaber Mate. Gaber Mate. Yeah. Uh, Karen's uh, talked about him before. And, okay. And he's, yeah, he does some amazing work. He for does. Sure, so, yep. yeah, very, very cool. Um, all right. Well, my next cool sheet is going to be an article. And uh, this article uh, ties in a little bit. This is, I, I'm really interested in your take after this one. Um, the article is called Being Alone. And it, it came out relatively um, recently. And let me look up really quick. The author is Edkit Shah, Shaha, is possibly, I might be pronouncing that uh, wrong, but anyway, that's the author. And he talks about loneliness. Uh, it is usually framed around your relationship to others, community, friendship, and family. But uh, that's not the whole picture. Uh, it's actually more of a relationship with yourself. And I really like how he framed that. That was one of those things where I instantly was like, oh, that's that's powerful already. To feel less lonely, you have to also build a relationship with yourself, which requires time alone and free from distraction. And that can feel really scary. And he kind of goes into the Zoom culture that we're in right now. So like I said, it just came out and it's pretty relevant of how Zoom is, how the pandemic is affecting us and then how Zoom creates and kind of social media as well cre- creates this connection but in a very different and, and not always the best way because it's just a different connection than than what we get when we're when we're in person, when we're face to face. And he talks a lot about that. But also how to how to work on being alone, being with yourself, working on your own things before you can. And, and so I think he, he ties it into a lot of mental health and being okay with yourself. Once you address kind of your own loneliness and being by yourself, how that can create a 
greater connection with the people around you. It's a really long essay that I'm already out of time. So I definitely, or it's worth checking out the article, Being Alone. Wow. I don't know that I've heard of it, but that was my experience is when I begin to um, become more aware of my own uh, negative thinking about myself. Mm -hmm. When I begin to have a better connection with myself, that was one of the starts of of, uh, the depression leaving. Yeah. It was a huge piece for me. And also the definition of trauma is loss of connection with yourself. Oh, there you go. That's what trauma is. Apparently that is so difficult on the human psyche Mm. when you uh, refuse your authentic self, oftentimes innocently and unconsciously. That is when anxiety, depression, and according to the researchers, addiction, uh, you know, all those things begin to manifest and people aren't even aware that that's the culprit. Dr. Gaber Mate one of his quotes is, quote, it is impossible to have an addiction and not have trauma, end quote. Oh, wow. But, you know, when you've lost connection with yourself, that's when those other things start happening, and people don't know that. Yeah. And so they just think, well, I'm, I'm going to be a secret alcoholic, or shoot, I wish my spouse wasn't an alcoholic, or, ah, this anxiety is kicking my butt, yeah. or, ugh, then this depression is scaring me, and they don't know. They they wouldn't even guess that yeah. the culprit is they've lost connection with themselves. Right, which right. Which is like with that article. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I have certainly heard the saying, you know, before you can love someone, you need to love yourself. But when I always heard that, I never really took that in my thinking towards, you know, it's more of like relationships, and it's oh, very yeah. true. Yeah. But that that statement alone is also talking about mental health, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. it's so much more deeper than I remember hearing about it. I just thought, oh, yeah, I've got to love myself before I can love I guess I see how that makes sense. And mindfulness is a lot like that. You know, yeah. when you're, when you're yeah. studying mindfulness, it's all about working on yourself first and uh-huh. then how you, that will help you to react to other things and hopefully lessen that trauma and, you know, and just your interactions and and then strengthen those connections. So this is all kind of like coming together now. I really like how this is is happening. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Yeah. Okay. My fifth and final cool sheet for today is the people and friendships that helped me. I didn't talk about my depression during the decades that I was in it. And that's because the depression kind of fed itself. The thought I had was, if people knew what was going on inside, they would reject me, and I wouldn't be able to take that. Wouldn't be able to handle that. If people knew I was depressed, much less how I survived, they would think, whoa, he sure is messed up. Ugh, I don't want to be around that. But I think a lot of people have similar thoughts and fears that keep them from sharing their inner pain or insecurities. And so instead, they become alcoholics or addicts or sink into depression or find themselves overwhelmed with anxiety, etc. Kind of what we were just talking about seconds ago. Also, I didn't tell anyone about the depression because of the things I believed. 
And these things were caused by, and they fed the depression. I mentioned one of them earlier, but during the 24 years when I was pretty lost and hopeless, I had these four beliefs. They were, I will always feel this way. One day this will kill me. I am worthless. I am unlovable. And every day for 24 years, I saw multiple proofs of those beliefs. My mind interpreted things that happened as proof of those beliefs. So I didn't tell anyone about the depression because I wasn't going to be around for much longer and I didn't matter to my thinking. There's no reason to worry anyone when I wasn't worth worrying about. And here is a crazy side point that that we've touched on already. It is possible for people to despise or devalue themselves and not even know it. Narcissism and being a doormat have the exact same root, a sense of insignificance. But two to three years before my depression left, I started letting people in. I'm not entirely sure why I started doing that. I think part of the reason was I was more desperate than ever before. I had a sense that I was nearing the end. But I told my wife more of what was really going on. I told my brother and sister more and several dear teacher friends. And I started going to a therapist in early January of 2015. I still go to him almost six years later. And I am certain that letting people in was a factor in the depression leaving. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much uh, for sharing that. All of your call sheets have been really powerful for me. And I know that a lot of other people are going to connect with these. It's so important what you said of how you thought if you told people this, that, that they would immediately... And like oh gosh, yeah, like this. yeah, and and I think there's people. I know I was like this before, before I really started understanding empathy and wanting to learn more. But I would, I would just to me that was almost unfathomable because I was like, well, no, of course not. Your family's gonna, they love you, yeah. you know. But that's not. You could even tell someone that. Oh gosh, but that yeah. doesn't. It doesn't, as, no. as much as you, it's for people that don't understand oppression and how deep and dark that can be, it's the, exa- it's the opposite too. They, the people that have it don't understand that everyone's wet, ready to help you yeah. and, you know, like you can't, so it's, I don't I even know if I'm trying, if I'm saying that right. Yeah, but, uh, well, I think I'm catching it. Yeah, yeah understanding it. Yeah, yep. it's like people it's really hard if you don't suffer from depression to, to know what these people, what, yes. what people are thinking and, and how hard it is for them to get out of that. And that's why you always need to just check in. I try to even check in without, it's a subtle way. It's just like, hey, you know, how are things going? And really care about what your friends are doing and feeling. You know, I used to be, you know, in my 20s and 30s, I was very machismo and I didn't want to talk about my feelings. And, yeah. and again, that's another thing, not only mental health, but I'm really glad that men are able to express their feelings yes. more often, yep. you know, and yep. and this kind of toxic masculinity is getting yeah. attention and and we're trying to do it less as well because it's super important. And yes. I think people, like I said, people are going through so much. And, and yeah, just constantly checking in with your friends and making sure that they know you're you're here for them all the time is, is a good thing. But, yeah, 
It's really great. Yeah. It, it, like you say, it's it's kind of wild how many people are struggling or suffering. Yeah. I remember when I was teaching, I was still very much in the thick of, of, of the depression. It, yeah. I mean, looking back, it is, I don't know, kind of a mix of heartbreaking and amazing how bad it was and that I survived it and how good it is now. Yeah. But I remember there was a couple times I couldn't bring myself to say, please help. But there were times when I was, it was, I was so desperate that I mentioned it a couple times because it seemed like there were students who, who were there. And so maybe we were talking about Romeo and Juliet and I mentioned teenage angst of, mm. of Romeo and, and casually mentioned, you know, I have struggled with depression in the past. I would always say in the past. And the two times that I can remember where I mentioned that, kind of casually, the bell would ring, students have five minutes to get to the next class, there was a line at my desk. Wow. Mr. Hune, that's me. Mr. Hune, I think that's me. Wow. Mr. Hune, it's been so hard lately. And I would just think, oh my gosh, what are we doing? Yeah. This, this, uh, there's a lot of kiddos that need to hear, you're not alone. Yeah. And there's hope. Yeah. And uh, have someone, you know, to talk to. Right. Yeah, and, you know, that's being a teacher. I've never been a teacher, but I I actually, I think we, I know some some friends of mine that you were their teacher. And, oh, yeah. And you were always, I mean, Salem's so small. Yes. Uh, that's what I love about it. Yeah. So on the, you know, on the outside, they're always like, oh, yeah. Graham was one of my favorite teachers, and you yeah. know I've always heard these things, yeah. whether it's on your Facebook page or just you know me oh, putting sure. together the things. And it's another one of those things. So it's not like from all view on the outside, you're a great teacher. You were happy. You were doing your job, yeah. you know. And yeah. and and here you were in this in this depression, in this you know, yeah, stretch of where you were saying sometimes it was. It, it could go either grim. way, you yeah. Know, <laughs> at and any the moment. Students, but one hundred percent of my students, I feel lucky to know them. Yeah, there's not a single student that I don't feel that about. Every student I've ever had, I've felt was a gift, and I just felt thrilled and honored mm-hmm. to know them. Mm-hmm. And the students were were pretty life giving to me. Yeah, but the behind the scenes was pretty difficult for me, and uh, so I I truly enjoyed the students, even though I I, I often I, I daily was concerned for them as individuals. Yeah, and and that wasn't my job, and there wasn't time for that, but uh, and, and it was kind of a quite a bit of emotional and and output to care for that many people at at any depth but i did did love the students and and i'm grateful for them yeah that's cool it's really cool all right well my last cool sheet uh, this went by fast <laughs> my last one is a website and this is the 
World Health Organization section their mental well-being resources for the public. Um, so the World Health Organization, of course, has been getting a lot of different attention these days. They basically didn't have much attention at all. And then when the coronavirus hit, uh, Everybody was talking. Everybody's got an opinion. <laughs> but, you know, they do a lot of good, not just on the pandemic, but they also have this really great section of their website on mental well-being and, like it says, resources for the public. I wanted to kind of wrap this up for for more information for people after they hear this. And, again, it'll all be on our website. But they have so many good links. They have an, uh, man- Managing Stress, an illustrated guide. They can help you. They have a look after our mental health. So they have resources for that. They have book for children on depression. Of course, they have COVID stuff even in mental health because the pandemic is affecting our mental health quite a bit. So it does tie into that as well. But it's a whole bunch of other stuff that has nothing to do with COVID. It talks about depression, what you should know, uh, living with, uh, with someone with depression. So that's another good resource if you don't suffer from it, but you know someone. Like I said, I think everybody knows someone that, that suffers from mental health or depression in some form. And this there's a section, uh, you're worried that your child is depressed, uh, worried about the future, preventing depression during your teen and 20s, wondering why your new baby might not be making you happy. So very specific information, staying positive, preventing depression as you get older. Because again, it could happen at any stage of your life. And then it has resources directly. Do you know someone who may be considering suicide? They've got a whole section for that. Do you feel like, uh, again, this is from your own self, do you feel like life is not worth living? And uh, It's got videos, it's got resources, it's got so many different things. Definitely worth checking out. World Health Organization uh, section, Mental Wellbeing Resources for the Public. Wow, that's great to have, I mean... Uh, a super reliable source, yeah. Of uh, extremely vetted source that's you know accessible to anyone at any time. Yeah, and just such a I I really love you know. There's tons of good resources, and yeah. we'll have a lot of them. The ones you've talked about, the ones I've talked about on yeah. our show notes. But uh, this is just one that was just like a big giant source of links because there were so many other things that I wanted to talk about. Any of these links, any of these videos, they have a ton of really good videos on depression, uh, preventing suicide, information for health workers, uh, emergency responders who are dealing with this. Oh, yeah. Uh, Just so many, so many different uh, resources that I thought, oh, this would be just another good way to kind of wrap this whole episode up and, and just another list of resources for everybody. Cause yeah. yeah, I think it's so important. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like there's some, uh, highly specific yeah. resources on there that, yeah. that people will really resonate, will really resonate with them. Or yeah, relate absolutely. To me. Oh my gosh, that's me. Yeah. I just, you know, just had the baby or <laughs> just retired. Why don't I... Why am I feeling yeah, this Yeah, this is or, supposed to be my golden years yeah, or whatever, you know, this all these is the best. different scenarios yeah. or stages. Yeah, yeah, yeah it has a, it's, a, it's a good mix of general information and specific, which is yeah. very, both very important. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, Grant, thank you so much for being on the show. 
it's just this is really it was a it was an honor to have you on and uh, to talk about this and thank you so much for sharing your story and yeah you aren't alone and I know that you're going to help a lot of people telling them that they're not alone so yeah yeah I really appreciate it uh, if people want to learn more about you or your story is there anything we can do follow you on social or stuff like that you yeah, want to share or? yeah absolutely on I'm on Facebook at Grant Hune just my first and last name together yeah uh, I'm on uh, Instagram. When I, I'm not super active there, but again, just Grant Hewn, my first and last name together. It's mainly just photos, but I did a little thing on a little series on parenting on Instagram oh, cool. a while back. Yeah. In, intentional parenting. Yeah, that's kind of your new, not new, but one of your focuses now. Yeah. At least more recent to me. Sure. Uh, that you've intentional been. Intentional parenting. So, yeah, yeah. So that's really cool too. And there's a, a big overlap, a big connection with trauma. Oh, great. Uh, and, and parenting. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, for parents and uh, for children. Yeah. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Mainly I just get news on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, again, at Grant Hune. Uh I made a website last year called grantonlife.com. Oh, cool. So G-R-A-N-T-O-N-L-I-F-E. And I started posting videos and text there on things relating to parenting and trauma and, and whatnot and haven't really advertised it or or let people know about it it just kind of sits there and yeah. every now and then I'll direct a someone who contacts me I'll direct them to a specific article on that site oh great well fantastic and, yeah and then I had a blog that I still have I just haven't done anything with that I started in the 90s oh wow um, <laughs> early blogger yeah and I think <laughs> a lot of the stuff from the 90s has gone the way of you know GeoCities if yeah. people that remember that far back but yeah I think the earliest posts on the blog now are probably 2005, but it's not uh, super interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, but not super important or life-changing kind of stuff. Sure, sure. Well, it might little, be to somebody. You never know. Yes. <laughs> and there's probably, I don't know, a thousand posts wow. on there. Wow, wow. That's a lot. That's great. Well, yeah, that's that's fantastic. And we'll have all of those links uh, okay. on our show notes. So if you, if you didn't grab all those, don't worry. Go to tenbestest.com slash mental health, and that'll take you to this show. So you can listen to it again, get all those resources, talk to Grant if you want to. Yeah. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, uh, Brian. For joining thank us. Thank you so much. Yeah. And thank you to all our listeners. And stay curious. Want to learn more about this week's cool sheets? Head on over to 10bestus, that's 10bestus.com, for links to all of our cool sheets. And sign up for our monthly newsletter with bonus cool sheets and other fun stuff. 10bestus will be back with an all-new episode next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. <laughs>